0: Welcome, you've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You were meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I'm Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. And we have an extra special show for you today. Our topic for exploration is karmic relief, the miracle of making God laugh. But what makes this episode so unique is that we have a remarkable guest with us who provides People around the world with what we might call karmic relief. Nope, I didn't mispronounce a word. I did say that our guest offers anyone willing to listen some sorely needed karmic relief. That's our word for it. It's relief from even heavy karmic obligations by way of laughter. You can liken it to... A healthy dose of comic relief based on profound wisdom that results in freeing yourself from whatever past karmic cycles plaguing you these days. Our special guest today, Brooke Jones, is a modern day Renaissance woman. Hailing from New York, she first made her name as a popular radio personality in San Francisco. By her own admission, she's been in everything that starts with a K, like K Fog, KCBS, KGO, KML, Camel, I guess, <laughs> and all the rest except Kmart and maybe Kpu. I was on that radio in San Francisco a long time ago. You probably never heard of it. Anyway, how popular was her were her shows? Well, she was named San Francisco Radio Personality of the Year. She moved from San Francisco to L.A. where Ray Richmond of Variety and L.A. Herald Examiner declared, Brooke Jones is L.A.'s funniest lady. And I have to admit, he's right. Of course, he wasn't the only one laughing on the floor when she was on the stage performing as a comedian at L.A.'s comedy store, Laugh Factory, Wiltern Theater or the Universal Amphitheater. Pulitzer Prize winning former LA Times columnist Howard Rosenberg wrote of her Brooke Jones is one very funny lady. Then there's Brooke Jones, the consummate interviewer. She's interviewed everyone from Natalie Cole, Roberta Flack, and Chaka Khan to Herb Albert, Mel Torme, Mel Brooks, Carlos Santana, and many others. Of course, whether she's hosting a show as a media personality, doing stand-up on a stage, or interviewing notables and celebrities, she's had to write. A lot. So, on top of everything else she does, well, she's a great writer. Don't take my word for it. Ben Fong Torres, former editor with Rolling Stones magazine, wrote, By God, Brooke Jones is a hell of a writer.
2: (laughs) So I'm those Resounding endorsements. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Brooke. We're blessed to have you on our show. We truly are.
3: Thank you so much. And it's wonderful to be here. Hi, Michael. Hi, Raphael.
2: Hey! Well, there's so much we'd love to hear about the life and times of Brooke Jones. But let's cut to the chase. Let's begin with the end. Well, at (laughs) least (laughs) what most people consider to be the end. You died, and that prompted you later on to write your best-selling book, Why Are There Monkeys?, and other questions for God. So, I mean, everyone who dies has to write a book, right? I know Hemingway still writes, but then he now needs a ghostwriter to do that. (laughs) (laughs) You, on the other hand, wrote your own book after you died, and then you came back. And so first, tell us about when and how you died, a little bit of the backstory leading up to that. Sure. A phenomenal I, experience.
1: It
3: really is. I'd like to hear more about how... Ernest Hemingway is still writing or, or starting <laughs> John, to write because, in my opinion, he well, was a actually, terrible writer when he was alive. So maybe he's better now that he's dead. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: know. That's um, what, you know, spirit guides practice that way.
3: <laughs> ah, whatever it takes. Okay. Um, I was 25 years old, so it was like a lot of years ago. I, I think there were still dinosaurs walking around. <laughs> I, I could have... <laughs> Um, and yeah, I'm a child of the sixties. I, you know, I'm notorious for doing stupid things as are most of my peers who were around at that time. Yep. And I had, a yeah, oh, well, I think you're smarter than I am. <laughs> um, I had a couple of people over my house and we had a little private party and I partied a little too hard and I died of a drug overdose and i'd seen drug overdoses before i know what they look like and i knew i was having one and in that matter of seconds before you actually check out and you first are aware that you're going to check out i prayed to every deity i had ever read about heard about seen on tv i you know thought about Jeffrey Chandler playing Moses or, or Jesus. <laughs> I I chanted to Swami Sachidananda, who I had studied with years before. Um and then I died. Mm. And I had never heard of a near death experience because I don't think Raymond Moody had come up with the phrase yet, or mm-hmm. if he had his book had only just come out and I hadn't heard about it or read it so this was new to me and I had no idea what was going on except that I knew I was not here in the physical sense anymore and I felt myself traveling through what is now the you know iconic tunnel of white light but it wasn't like I was moving it was like that tunnel was Carrying me, and Mm -hmm. it was this amazing light, but not the kind of light you get when you turn on a light bulb. This was a it breathed, it pulsed, I could feel it, and it's like it was carrying me. I wasn't floating, I was carried, and then suddenly I wasn't being carried, and I was standing up, and I was completely alone. There was nothing around me, there was nothing above me, there was nothing below me, I couldn't see anything because there wasn't anything there and I was really lost (laughs) I couldn't figure out what was going on I knew that I had died because you know I knew that much but I couldn't figure out where I was or how I got there and I just started calling out hello hello is anybody there hello hello (laughs) Um, and then I heard the voice but I need to clarify even that because it wasn't hearing in the common sense of the word. I wasn't Mm -hmm. hearing sounds in my ears. When the voice spoke, it was energy that vibrated within my body, and I was like a a celestial tuning fork. And this Mm -hmm. voice made Darth Vader sound like Minnie Mouse (laughs) (laughs) very big. It was internal. It, it was it vibrated in every cell of my body it was telepathic and then some and we began to talk and the voice explained that i was not in heaven i was outside of heaven um, and and you have to understand that everything that takes place in my experience in a world beyond the one we currently live in is full of Things that have no earthly words to express. So it's Mm -hmm. really hard when I decided to write that book to explain to people what I saw, what I felt, what I thought, what I heard, what I smelled, because there aren't any words, at least none that I know that apply to the here and now. Mm -hmm. So I asked who the voice belonged to and where I was and why I was there and could I go back and I asked Once I realized, I mean, I actually said, when it hit me, I said, oh, my God. And the voice laughed. And yes, (laughs) that's when the laughing uh, started. And the voice said, by Jove, I think she's got it. (laughs) I'm not kidding. That's what the voice said. Mm -hmm. And every question you have ever thought to ask, I thought to ask. And you know, is God male or female? Um, what religion is God? What does God look like? And then the more involved stuff, like if there's a God who is good, why is there so much bad on Earth? And first of all. When I asked, are you male or female? He said, why does everybody ask me that? (laughs) Why are you asking me? You're the one with all the answers. He said, really? (laughs) Where's that written? I said, in the Bible. He said, oh, no, it's not. Okay, so there we go. And I am asking every question I could think of, and I got the answers, all of them. And then I realized that at least it felt like I was only going to be able to ask one more question. I don't know why I knew that. I just knew that. And um, my last question forgot. What do you ask when you're talking to the ultimate answer man, woman? And, and when I say he, please understand there is no gender here, but saying he is a lot easier than saying he, she, they, them. You know, but,
1: <laughs> it's a so uh, mm-hmm.
3: yes. <laughs> Just, you know, go with me on this one. Um, now I'm suddenly realizing I only have a chance to ask one more question, and if you're only going to be able to ask God one more question, what would it be? What would you ask? And all of a sudden, after all of these other questions and me wanting to know who killed John Kennedy and how do dolphins not drown when they sleep and Mm -hmm. why is the sky blue and, you know, all of that stuff, suddenly there was only one question I wanted to ask. And it was a question that had never crossed my mind. It was a question I'd never in my life thought of. It was a question I never in my life would have thought to ask. But in that Mm -hmm. moment, in that time, in that place, it was the only question I needed an answer to. And I just set you up because I'm not going to tell you what that question is. <laughs> you have to
1: read about it in the book. Huh?
3: <laughs> because everything in the book leads up to it. And if I told you now, it would be out of context. And it, believe me, you would, it would lose the impact. So, you know, yeah. it's a yes. short book. It, it's, you know, it's the, the e-book is like 100 pages long. And by the way, it was the Amazon number one best-selling book. Book Last mm-hmm. July in the category, they have all these categories, in a category called short biography memoir. My book was number one, but it is short. You can read the whole thing in less than two hours. Yeah. Um, how long did I spend in that other world? I don't know. Time is a construct that doesn't exist right. there. Right. Um yeah, you know, it could have been a millennium, it could have been, I don't know, but I know for a fact that in this world I was dead, legally dead for eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I asked that last question, and before I was given an answer, I woke up. I was alive. <laughs> I was back where I was when I left.
1: Yes, indeed. Well, I completely enjoyed reading your book, Why Are There Monkeys? It's hilarious, yet a compelling read. You had a long, detailed conversation with God, who did a lot of laughing at times. And I just wanted to find out, without doing any spoiler alerts, what was your favorite and most profound part of your experience? There's so many in there, in
3: that short little hundred pages, can I think about it during the break and come back sure. and tell me sure. sure, yeah.
2: You know, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, I, I don't know if you know, but I have had five of these near-death experiences.
3: <laughs> wow, no,
2: I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, and in, in one of them, uh, well, first of all, I, I know everything you wrote in your book is absolutely true. Because some people might think, you know, oh yeah, she's joking around. Well, this is the whole idea, isn't it? It's when you first encountered God and the experience of God. What made you know God? You, you had that comment of, of course, God laughs. Of course, he's you know, he's got amusement. What was the first thing Did you know that or ahead of time? That God had a there, sense or, of humor? Yes. You ask,
3: um, well, have you ever seen a platypus? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yes, I get the question.
3: That's pretty much it. Whoever made that has obviously got a sense of humor.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. One of the ways we used to say that in our classes is just look at each other. <laughs> you can yeah. tell God had a sense of
3: humor.
2: There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's such a... Just that one part is is such a great beginning because so much of the world, you know, humanity is so serious, and and especially uh, in a this wonderful cathedral I sat in and and meditated in in Germany, southern Germany, and I didn't know that uh, uh, this church was kind of dedicated to the Saint Bernard. And as I, there's only a few people in the church at that time, and I'm meditating, and all of a sudden, this bright light appears in the corner of the church, right in front of me, and he says, I'm so glad you're laughing. <laughs> and he says, please continue. This is, this is the most important, one of the most important things, because all these other people are in, you know, because they're in pain, they're not laughing, they're, they're not joyous, and they can't reach the level of where I can help them. And um, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you had so much humor, once you were out of your body and in front of, at the doorsteps of God, you were able to have that humor. You were able to have that laughter and, and gain all this insight into uh, the answers to all your questions.
3: Well, you know, some people, I'm sorry, Raphael, do you want to say something? I was just going to say, I, we know that you have a reply
1: for this, but <clears throat> we're coming right upon our first break. And at this point we have our little announcement. So um, that's what I'm going to do right here. Make sure to check out our website, everyone, for our upcoming events. In fact, we have our next teleclass and our popular, you might be more psychic than you think teleclass series coming up this Saturday. Um, uh, march 5th from 10 a.m to noon oh i'm sorry april 2nd 10 a.m to noon and it's titled creating outside the box energy work for creating the extraordinary join us and learn how to live more of the miracle when we return in just a bit we'll continue with karmic relief the miracle of making god laugh with our very special guest brooke jones we'll be
2: right back
0: You are listening to living the miracle michael and raphael would love to hear from you reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141 again that's one 346 9141 you may also send an email to living the miracle radio at gmail.com now back to living the miracle
1: welcome back everyone we've been enjoying a healthy dose of Karmic Relief with our delightful guest today, Brooke Jones, who has personally experienced the miracle of making God laugh through her near death experience. So let's get right back to it. Right before the break, I interrupted your comment there, Brooke. Did you want to uh,
3: say your piece on that? I'm an ancient gypsy crone. My memory only works when it's used to strain pasta. Would you help me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: remind me what the question was. Well, you're me. in really great company. Glad to hear that. The best company. What were we talking about? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Where were we? Yeah, where um, were we? And that's one of the things I noticed. You know, the the more I live the life of spirit. There's no time, like you said, there's there's no experience of time in spirit at all because it's undivided. So here we have to deal with deadlines and time constraints and everything, schedules and all of that. But I have a very, very hard time with that. Uh, but anyway, before the uh, before the break, I was asking you about uh, t- telling you about the experience I had in the German uh, uh, cathedral where I met uh Saint Sir Saint, Saint Bernard, and the first thing when he introduced himself as I'm Saint, <clears throat> I've known I'm known as Saint Bernard, I start cracking up in the church front row of the church, because because all I could see was the images of those slobbering
3: big you know dogs. big
2: dogs, furry mm-hmm. dogs, with a brandy cask in their on their neck, and he said no 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 that's the other Saint Bernard, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not the one they were named after. And so we had a great laugh. And my experience of spirit, of God, of anything to do with spirit has always been, it starts with laughter, and then it goes up from there. And so your experience of of having and making la- God laugh, do you find that to be, uh, since you had that experience and everything and you came back, and it's been many years since then, do you find that you still hear God laughing? All the time.
3: (laughs) And occasionally, I believe he's laughing with me, but more often, I'm pretty sure he's laughing at me. Yes, Um, that's my same experience. (laughs) I I don't blame him a bit, I gotta (laughs) tell you. I, let, I want to say something about this. A lot of people who have read this book have have had trouble believing it for a couple of reasons. And not mm. the least of those is, well, God wouldn't be funny or sarcastic or blah, 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 blah. And I say, really? And you know this how? Mm. Um, after I gave them the have you seen a platypus lately line. But, you know, and, and the other thing is they say, and why weren't you terrified. Mm. You're in front of the creator of everything. Shouldn't you have been in a fetal position trembling? And that was a good one. And I wondered about it at the time. Why wasn't I scared? And there was not a moment during my experience where I experienced any fear at all. I felt more comfortable, more at ease, more, here we go, at home. Mm-hmm. Than I had ever felt in my life. Why wasn't I scared? Well, it took me a while to figure it out, but I know the answer. The reason is, what reason would the Creator of everything have for making one of His children scared? Mm-hmm. That's a good Why? Question. Yep. Why? What? What? I mean, if if Robin Williams or Mr. Rogers could portray a loving father figure don't you think God could? And if we are all the children of God, as I absolutely believe and know we are, Mm -hmm. wouldn't he present himself to each of us in a way that we can relate to, that makes us comfortable, that makes us not frightened and makes us feel at home? Well, of course he would, as would any loving father. So that's why I wasn't scared. And mm-hmm. that's why it was a laugh a minute because yes. God knows me and he knows that all of my life, laughter has been both a coping mechanism and a reality to me. Mm-hmm. I was born funny. Yes. So, yes, you okay. <laughs> I can't reach him on his level. So he, being a loving father, met me on mine. Mm -hmm. It's just perfectly logical. At least to me it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One of the things you said in the book was that um, God meets us where we are. And I have told people that thousands of times. So for someone like you, he would meet you with laughter and jokes as well as, you know, surprises. Because you also like surprises in a positive kind of way. And With someone else, you know, when uh, one of the other things you said in there was all the saints and all the gods of the world, you know, like in the Hindu religion and so on, it's all part of God. So if an angel gets sent out and and makes an announcement to someone, what are the first two words the angel always says? Fear not, right? Mm -hmm. Because there is nothing Mm -hmm. to fear. And that just makes all kinds of sense when you said, you know, he's compassionate and loving and, and very safe to be around and you know we're all moving our way towards him in our evolution
2: so that's that i found pretty wonderful in
1: part as part of your
2: story and also you know that thing you said about just said about the feeling right at home you know something everyone we all desire home but most of the people in the world. Think of home as, you know, where I was born, the house I lived in all my life. My
1: parents' house. Yeah, or
2: or the country, you know, the, the, we have the situation of refugees from all kinds of places fleeing their countries of birth because of war, because of famine, because of all kinds of stuff. And what are they looking for? Everyone wants to go home. But until they discover what you discovered when you were on the other side uh, of what home really is. Yeah. You feel like you're an alien here on the planet and so many people think, uh, I feel like I don't belong and they don't get it that, no, they don't belong here. <laughs> this isn't their home. And part of why we're here and have that experience of not belonging here with all the insanity is we're not insane and God isn't insane. And this is a place where we all get to learn through experience. Oh, yeah, I need to go home. And mm-hmm. you, you've you've just said, you know, uh, incredible sneak preview yeah. <laughs> of Absolutely. what's waiting for you.
3: Absolutely. People also have said, and I've heard this for years, and I know you have too, if there's a God, and if God is good, Why is there so much pain on this planet? I Mm. think that, as they keep saying to me, I can't believe in a loving God because of all of the agony and pain and ugliness in this world. Mm -hmm. And my answer as a result of my experience I came back hearing because I asked God that very question. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, people have a hard time believing you exist because there's so much pain on the earth. Mm -hmm. And he said, really, people have a hard time believing I exist because there's so much evil in the world? I said, yeah. He said, well, hmm, do people have a hard time believing the devil exists because there's so much good in the world? (laughs) <laughs> Whoa. That's oh that's answer. a great answer well slap my face and call me for breakfast um, there you go that, that one stopped me in my tracks mm-hmm. there's the answer and people ask it all the time God can't exist because if he existed there wouldn't be so much evil really? so there's no devil because there's so much good okay go for it I what? learned so much in that experience are you guys am I stepping on you? nope Oh, okay. Um, wow. <laughs> I, I learned uh, miracles. Yes, they exist. I asked if he could give me an example of a miracle. I mean, the Bible's full of them. Well, you know, the parting of the Red Sea and a bush that talks while it's busy burning. Um <laughs> And I asked what the purpose of miracles is. He said, yep, they do exist. There definitely is such a thing as miracles. And the purpose of a miracle is because it can only happen if I, God, make it happen. The reason for miracles is, as a rule, to make people recognize that I'm here. Yes. Because something just happened that they cannot explain and I'm the only explanation. And, you know, you humans are a little thick. (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, can't argue with that um and you sometimes you gotta have you gotta get slapped upside the head just to get your attention okay Mm. so um i asked if there were any miracles in my lifetime um other than you know a picture of jesus on a potato chip or something (laughs) (laughs) and um he said well yeah you remember 1969 the uh new york Mets in the World Series. And I said, "Wait a minute! Are you saying that the Mets winning the World Series in 1969 was a miracle?" He mm-hmm. said, huh? "Considering their record, how would you explain it?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Oh, that can't be! You're 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 playing with me." He said, "Maybe, but the night that the that the Mets won." That World Series, there were millions of people thanking me. And before that night, millions of those people didn't even believe I existed.
2: Mm -hmm. I love it. Yep. I love it. Okay. Yeah, the same thing happened with the Miracle on Ice with the 1981 uh, ice hockey. The the ice hockey. Yeah, yeah. 1980 or 84, whatever. Great. uh, Olympics ice hockey.
1: I think yeah. that happened in my hometown in Detroit back, way back when, when the Tigers weren't winning anything and all of a sudden they won the pennant and they were jumping up and down and thanking yep. God. I remember.
2: And not <laughs> only is everybody thanking God, but they're hugging each other. There you go. Yeah, you know, there you go. That's the miracle, really. Yep. It's not the who won the game, but it's what that brought about for humanity, or a good portion of humanity, at that sing with that single event. And the so, other thing,
1: the other thing is, uh, we've been doing a series on miracles actually, and we've had one of the things that I notice is when you start to put your really your attention on your life, you find out how many incredible miracles really happen. Um Such as someone getting in their car and supposedly getting in an accident, but their car goes through the other car and nothing happens. They just go through the other car. And we've known several people that's happened too, and I've had something happen like that as well, but not going through someone else, but not hurting someone, I thought I was I hit with my car. It's just like almost like something rolled back and it didn't happen. So those things do happen. People brush them off. And it's so great to be more awake and paying attention to that.
3: Absolutely. I don't know if when you were looking into my background, you read any of the articles on my blog. Yes. Um, Did did. you happen to read the article called Death Be Not? No. Want to talk about Mm
2: -hmm. it? Yeah. Please talk about it.
3: Oh, my goodness. It wasn't starting out to be... um, Three minutes, okay. It wasn't starting out to be an introduction to my book. It just sort of happened in the process. I have, as I look back on my life, um, survived situations that there is no rational reason for me to have survived. Um, At least seven of them that I'm off the top of my head aware of, but there are more. And there is no rational explanation for my survival. And I, at this point, believe that I survived. And when you read it, you will say nobody could have survived this. And no, there is no explanation for for any of this. But I believe that I survived because I was supposed to have this near-death experience. I was Mm -hmm. supposed to meet God. I was supposed to come back. I was supposed to write this book. And on the other side of the break, I will tell you more about why I was supposed to write this book. Mm Great. Great.
2: That sounds, Perfect. yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, it's, go ahead. There is a purpose. And actually, there's a purpose to everything, and we can talk about that yeah, in a minute, absolutely.
1: too. Yes, well, our second break is coming right up, and I wanted to remind you that Brooke Jones wrote about her amazing life-transforming experiences in her book, Why Are There Monkeys and Other Questions for God. To share them with you, and you can purchase a copy or 10 from Amazon.com. And if you'd like to know more about Brooke, you can go to written by Brooke Jones, and Brooke is B-R-O-O-K-E, so writtenbybrookejones.com, her website. You can also enjoy her hilarious and illuminating memes at Camp Day, C-A-M-P-M-E-M-E-A-D-A-Y, Camp Memaday, on Facebook. We'll return in just a couple of minutes to continue with Karmic Relief, The Miracle of Making God Laugh with our guest, Brooke Jones. We'll be right back.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamura.com
2: forward slash events. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com and be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter.
0: It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle.
1: Wonderful to have you back. Today we've had the blessing of having our very special guest, Brooke Jones, on our show and learning about the way she's been living the miracle. Of course, living the miracle comes from living much more of the life of spirit So Brooke has been sharing with us the various ways she's been living her life as the immortal soul that she is and her experiences with doing that. Let's continue. And you were going to talk about uh, an experience you uh, had shared on your blog.
3: Well, there is on my blog, and the blog is called What If, and you can find it by going to my website writtenbybrookejones.com, and there's a little icon there for my blog, or you can go directly to whatif.com. Blog. And the article called Death Be Not, taken from the um, AG play Death Be Not Proud. Um, oh, yeah. there have been many, many, many experiences in my life that there is no earthly explanation for my survival. And I mean none, and I'll give you only one of them because one of them is a trigger for PTSD and I'm a, I've made the mistake of discussing it during interviews before and then I'm a mess for the next 24 hours. So okay. I'll skip that one because okay. you, can, you can read it all by yourself. But I was uh, I lived in Los Angeles for many, many years and I was on the radio there for a long time. And on the... The, ni- the early morning hours of January 17th, 1994, those of you who live in California already know what I'm talking about here. I was sitting mm. at my computer yes. at 4.30 in the morning finishing up a script I was writing for the TV series Frasier, and the lights went out all over the place, and I mean out. And there was no moon that, light, that night, so it was, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, it was that dark. And something told me something was wrong. This wasn't just a sudden power outage. And suddenly a voice in my head screamed, get out, get up! So I jumped out of my high back desk chair, and then I heard a thunderous crash. And suddenly, everything started moving, and hello, we were experiencing a 7.1 earthquake.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, things were flying through the air. My 12-year-old daughter was in her bedroom asleep down the <laughs> hall screaming, help, mommy, help, 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 and I couldn't get to her. I was being blocked by something that I couldn't see, and I couldn't get to her, so I just screamed get to into your doorway, as people in California will tell you, that's the only place to be during an earthquake, other than, you know, a few thousand miles away. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're there, get into a doorway. So she's screaming, my my fiesta-ware collection of dishes are flying through the air like frisbees and slamming into the back of my head. It sounds like a train is running through my house. Things are shattering everywhere and suddenly my next-door neighbor somehow breaks into my house, comes running up the stairs with a flashlight in his hands, somehow makes his way to my daughter's bedroom, picks her up, throws her her over his shoulder and takes her outside and I'm following right behind. And the people in my neighborhood are all like gathering on my front lawn and freaking and shaking and it was horrible and the smell of rotten eggs is everywhere. And suddenly this dumb guy comes walking down the street with a cigarette dangling out of his mouth. He flips open his Zippo, and two people from two different directions tackle him and say, (laughs) rotten eggs, that's gas, you idiot. Mm. And the lighter goes flying out of his hands without lighting, thank God, Uh because we all would have been killed. By 6.30, I... Got my neighbor's flashlight, the sun was starting to come up, and I made my way upstairs into my living room and around the corner to where my home office was. And my home office was built into what had been the dining room, and there was a desk up against the window and floor-to-ceiling shelves full of um, books. And potted plants, and my collection of unabridged dictionaries that takes up some weight, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, my computer tower, and I'm going to assume that some of your listeners know what a computer tower <laughs> is. Um, and a boombox, and you know, maybe some of you know what a boombox is. Mm-hmm. The um, when I turned the corner and, and looked into my office, I couldn't help myself; I threw up in my high back desk chair suddenly was one of the six foot long two by fours that make up my shelving unit around my desk and it had when it crumbled and that was the crash i heard when i jumped out of my chair one of those six foot long two by fours was now in my desk chair at a 45 degree angle if i had not moved exactly when i did i would have been decapitated
0: oh my Mm -hmm. gosh that is an yeah.
3: incredible story.
1: <laughs> that was the Northridge quake, that's right? The yes, Northridge quake. Exactly. Yeah. You we were catch- living in Sacramento during that time and I actually knew a big quake was coming because that's one of my abilities, but I had no idea where.
2: Yeah. It was
1: kind of it was amazing when that happened because uh, we had lived in Southern California for a long time and of course heard from a lot of friends about their experiences. But that's one of the most amazing ones I've heard. That, that- voice
3: that lives within me has been with me literally since birth and it has spoken to me all my life Mm -hmm. and it has literally saved my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are many stories like that. And no, there is no explanation how in that moment did I know? Well, I don't think I knew. I think Mm -hmm. that other connection, the part that, is in me, and by the way, is in you, and you, and you, and mm-hmm. you, and everybody. All it is—it's nothing airy fairy. It's nothing strange. It's a, an energy because we are energy. It's an energy that connects us to, the cosmic divine, mm-hmm. and it's in all of us. Everybody has that ability because all you have to do is get out of the way. This isn't about you being special or different or whatever. It's about that cosmic energy that exists for everyone who knows how to tap into it. And to tap yes. into it is about getting beyond yourself. Stop thinking, oh, I have this ability. No, 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 no. You don't. What you are is a tuning fork for mm-hmm. the divine. And it's it's inside of you all the time. And, for example, I tell people... Right this minute, whoever is listening to this, pick up your left hand and look at it. Just right now, look at your left hand. Okay, you doing it? Fine. Mm-hmm. Is it is it moving? No, mm-hmm. it's not moving. You're just staring <laughs> at it, right? Well, guess what? Move. It is moving mm-hmm. because we are made of atoms, and atoms are made of neutrons and protons and electrons, and they are never still. They are always moving. That's what is made of energy. That's energy. And energy always moves. It vibrates. It has a frequency. And we all have a different frequency, which is why sometimes you are attracted to somebody you've never seen before. And I'm not talking about, oh, my God, he's so cute. I don't mean that. (laughs) I mean that there is something about them that makes you want to meet them, makes you want to talk to them. And you don't know why or conversely, there's somebody over there that is making you say, oh, I'm going the other way now because I think they want to talk to me and I don't really want to talk to them, but I don't know why. Well, I'll tell you why. It's energy. Everybody vibrates at a frequency. Everybody's frequency is different. There are frequencies that are compatible with yours and there are frequencies that definitely are not. The cosmic ability to connect with the divine, with each other, all of it, It's about energy and frequency. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is surrender to that reality because this is not airy-fairy stuff. This is science.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: People ask me about belief in karma and they say, well, you know, that's just a bunch of hogwash. Well, hello. Do you know what karma is? It's the basic laws of physics. Mm -hmm. Karma Mm -hmm. says what you give, you get. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? Isaac Newton's basic laws of physics say nothing happens by itself. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest unless acted upon by another force. That's what karma is. You put Mm -hmm. it out, it goes out, and it moves, and it comes back because it's energy, and energy moves. And, you know, where is love? Well, I want love. How do I get love? Well, when you put out love, guess what? That's what comes back to you. When you put out anger, that's what comes back to you. You walk into a room and you've got a two to a mile and a half wide and you just are really ticked off. People are not going to be particularly drawn to you. If, on the other hand, you walk into a room and you just feel comfortable and safe and at ease, people are going to want to be near you. What you give is actually, scientifically, what you get. That's science.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And if you get so angry, you yawn, and your dentures Fly across the room, He'll come back and bite you in the booty. There you go. I hadn't thought
3: about that. That's good. I do want to remind people that this little book of mine, which is, I am absolutely convinced, was the reason that I have survived those bizarre experiences and the reason I was allowed to come back from this near death experience, was because I was. Supposed to write this experience down, and my book is actually a word-for-word transcript of my near-death question-and-answer session with God. Every question I asked and every answer I was given, and because I survived a very difficult and long battle with breast cancer. I uh, donate a significant portion of the sale of every single one of my three editions of the book, the ebook, the paperback, the hardcover, to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. So when you buy a copy of my book, you're not helping to make me rich because, you know, that's not my intention. I have no interest in that. But what you are doing is helping to fund the life-saving work of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation.
2: As well as having yourself wake up more. Yeah. And, you know, what I want to add about your book to everyone else is don't just buy it for yourself. If you get several copies, they make incredible gifts for anyone who you might suspect is ready to wake up a bit.
1: Absolutely. Well, I have one more quick question before we start to wrap this up anyway. And that is... Um, There was a time period that you didn't remember this experience, but after you did, how did your life change? Because everybody that has near-death experiences, their life changes in some profound way. I'd love to hear about yours.
3: Profound is an understatement. Um, (laughs) uh, There was something else I wanted to mention and just went on. Oh, I'll get to that in a second. I have heard from A lot of people around the world who have read this book, and there are three different groups in particular that literally bring me to my knees with their responses. One group is baby boomers, who know that they're living the last chapter of their lives. And after reading this book, they say the fear that they had had of what lies ahead, the constant sound of Peggy Lee singing, is that all there is? (laughs) Went away. The fear of the unknown completely went away after reading my book. The next amazing response group is from people living with terminal illness or their caregivers Mm, who said they didn't want to wake up anymore. They just they didn't see the purpose of it and they were terrified after reading my book they now wake up with hope and they are no longer terrified about what becomes of them when they pass. But the most amazing experience I have had from readers, and the reason I say, please people, if enough people buy this book, we could change the world, Mm -hmm. is because I have heard from people who have said, I was raised to believe that my religion was the only correct religion, my God is the only right God, and if you don't Mm -hmm. believe what I believe, then you're a blasphemer and you you deserve to burn in hell. And I have heard from countless readers who told me that's what they were raised with. And after reading the book, they write to say they found it impossible right now to deny their kinship with people of other faiths and other cultures. Can you imagine what this world would be like
2: if enough people read this book?
3: Absolutely. I completely agree with you.
2: I can see it a world with all the people who read this.
1: Yep. And passing it on to other people,
2: which is why I've donated, I have designated, I have
3: dedicated whatever time remains to me in this life to telling the world about the existence of this book.
1: Well, I think that's fantastic and a great goal. Well, time's flying by, and we're coming to the end of our show. We've got a couple minutes left. We could listen to your stories forever in Spirit Brook, but in this world, we have to deal with time (laughs) and space. That's where that sense of all good things must come to an end comes from, but they do go on in spirit. So any final thought to offer our listeners uh, around the world for today before we wrap it up?
3: Oh boy, I didn't get to your question about how my life changed. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah, We can do that that again. Real quick. Yeah. uh, Later. Or I could just tell you that when I came back and I finally had it proven to me that this was real. And no, I'm not going to tell you about the proof, but it's in the book. It's Mm -hmm. a great story. Oh, yeah. It's It's my favorite
1: part of the story, actually. Yeah.
3: I'm not going to tell you about it though because you got to read the story because otherwise it's all out of context and it won't have the same impact but once I realized that what had happened was really true I had to figure out how to make my life here be in harmony with what I learned there and that took a long time and I first I went into bible studies with some radio friends of mine who held a weekly bible study and you know all of that was going along well it felt good until I walked through my living room one day the TV was on and Pat Robertson was talking and I heard him say something about give me all your money and I will tell you how to get to heaven and I went okay (laughs) we're done with that and I turned off the television and that was the last I had to do with any kind of organized religion because I asked God about religion and what religion was he and he said I am no religion Which is the answer, the best answer of all. Yeah. Well, we know... Go go ahead, ahead, go ahead. If you want
1: to know more, you have to read the book. Absolutely. Well, we know you're an extraordinary creative and gifted writer, comedian, media personality, and interviewer. And we're truly grateful that you took the time out of your busy day to join us today. Thank you so much for sharing your bright light and laughter with all our listeners. All of you listening out there, be sure to check out Brooke Jones' website, written by and read her book, Why Are There Monkeys?, and Other Questions for God. Remember, it's the book that everyone from Pulitzer Prize winner author and former LA columnist Howard Rosenberg to former Rolling Stones magazine editor Ben Fong Torres have been raving all about. It will inspire you and make you laugh, and it's a delightful read. Be sure to join us again next Wednesday for our episode, Your Life is a Miracle. Please invite your friends and family to tune in too. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael
0: Tamura. We'll see you next week. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.